Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Bold Exchange podcast. Today's conversation was a lot of fun to be a part of. I hope that you guys enjoy it and get some kind of value out of it in one way or another. Uh, But before we get into it, I wanted to bring attention to the fact that I made an Instagram for Bold Exchange. So Bold Exchange podcast on Instagram. You can go follow that. My goal is to put um, some clips up there and information about the guests that I have on the show. Uh, That way, if you guys are interested in what they're doing, you can go check out their stuff and what they're up to uh, just through that Instagram. But I'll stop rambling. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to Bold Exchange. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm here with Anthony Portillo today, who I met at a concert, and he told me that he was running for, ran in the past for uh, <coughs> in politics under the Libertarian Party, which I thought was very interesting. So I asked him to be on the show, and here he is. So how are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I, I have been... I listen to I think almost every podcast you've been on so far. Really? Yeah. Oh no almost, shit. Yeah, I listen to one. I think you were mostly on. You've been on mostly like very libertarian themed podcasts. It seems like um, the one dude was from PA. I forget his name. Uh, uh, Kyle Matovic. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah it's uh, my boy. I love I that think, dude. Yeah, he seems mad cool. Uh, I, I haven't listened to anything else of his, but I listened to the one with you, um, and. I thought a good way to kind of start this out is, I mean, I think your kind of life story is very interesting. Um, I, you know, I feel like I got bits and pieces of it from the other podcasts, but if you're willing to go back as far as you want and just kind of tell me about yourself, how you got here, because you were planning churches, you. Oh yeah, I've been. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to be honest with you, I just turned 40 in December and I feel like I've lived the life of like an 80 year old dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like I've lived a, a lot of lives in, in my time just from, I don't, I don't know. I'm, uh, some might say it's cause I'm a Sagittarius. I just like to do shit, but, uh, I like to try things, but I'm basically, I'll, I'll go way back. My parents were young as hell when they had me. My father and his family came here from Argentina when my dad was like nine years old. Fast forward nine years, he gets my mom pregnant. She was 14 when she got pregnant, turned 15 November, had me in December. And then I went to live. I never lived with my parents. I went to live with my grandma. And then I had a sister while my mom had another kid. And then my sister came to live with me and my grandma and her and I just kind of grew up, you know, with this kind of like mixed family where we had like our single alcoholic grandma. And then on the other side, uh, you know, my family is very, my abuela's like, she's my grandfather's second wife, but she's from Cuba and the rest of my family's from Argentina. So I got a whole lot of like perspective really early on, on, on like different cultures and how people viewed things. So it really kind of helped to like shape how I, what I thought of the world and like how I viewed things and how I wanted to operate. So from there, I was just like, Hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to just try to go for it and do what I want to do. Uh, unfortunately, they got me into like bad places when I was young. 
I started selling weed when I was like 13 and quickly escalated to selling ecstasy and acid. By the time I got to high school, I was like the plug at school and uh, got me in trouble, got me, got me kicked out of school. But yeah, it was it, school was kind of boring for me, to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, I went that I went that route for a long time. And then I have so I have two kids. My my daughter is actually going to be my youngest will be 18 in a couple of weeks. My son just turned 19. But um, I had two kids and it was like, you know, you can't keep doing that like hustle shit when you got responsibilities. So, you know, when my son was born. I was like, hey, I got to kind of walk away from this thing and try to figure out how to be a square. And uh, and that didn't work out too well for me, to be honest with you. I was very like miserable and I just like I drank a lot and dumb shit like that. So fast forward, my kid's mom and I, uh, we separate. I'm on my own. I get, I, I got three DUIs in two calendar years and, wow. uh, and I spent a total of 16 months in prison. Jeez. And so the first time I, I got 90 days for my second DUI, the third time, uh, the third DUI, I got a sentence to a one to two mandatory sentence. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I grew up as a drug dealer, so Needless to say, when I got to jail, I figured out there was a lot of junkies there. So I wanted to know how to get drugs in there, which I did. So I ended up doing a little more time because I got in trouble uh, and I'm doing like 35 days in the hole. But in the process of that, all that, like I, I really had like kind of an inflection point where I was like, hey, I got to do something different. Like my best laid plans are really just me crashing into a fucking wall and that's no good. So it's only a matter of time before I'm in jail forever. I'm dead. So I started going to church in jail and uh, there's this one guy, man, that came in one time. I never saw him again, but it, it like I still my my belief system's a little a lot different than it used to be. But, you know, like this dude, in my opinion, like something divine brought that guy to talk to me to like tell me what I needed to hear for me to get my shit together. So from that, I just kind of, I kind of went all in on the Jesus thing, man. Uh, and then I came out of jail in December of 2013, or I'm sorry, 2012. And I got plugged into a church and then fast forward to Easter, I preached two services in front of like 5,400 people. Wow. <laughs> How soon so, after like this whole, you found Jesus thing was this? Like, do I, I mean, I was locked up for uh, 13 months. I think like my whole like conversion experience happened like in the summertime. I want to say like this time in 2012 and then fast forward. Yes. Less than a year later, I got wow. plugged into it. I got plugged into a church. They liked my story and they were like, Hey, we'd love for you to speak to the church on Easter. Oh, by the way, it's two services. It's our craziest attendance of the year. And there's going to be 2,700 people out of each serve. And it was like standing room only. It was one of the, one of the craziest experiences ever. I was in a hardcore band when I was young, so like I'm I played shows and shit. I was like a you know screamo guy. Um, you did vocals, but huh? I used to. Yeah, that's cool. So so being on stage in front of people was something that you're comfortable uh, with. Yeah, it didn't it didn't really bother me at all. So I get out of the service. I get done the second one. And there's like this little cafeteria area and the pastor of the church walks up to me and hands me an envelope and I open it. And he was like, that's for your ministry. It was a check for $5,000. Wow. 
And I'm like, I don't even have a ministry, bro. Yeah, He's like, I guess you do. He's like, I guess you do now. So, so from there it was like, all right, what am I going to do with this thing? I got some capital. I got like the, I have obviously the, the charisma and the ability to like do this thing. So fuck it, let's go. So I started just anywhere that would let me talk. I'd talk. I did shit on YouTube. I'd made, I was like, you know, doing Jesus YouTube videos and I would go, I started getting calls. And then before you know it, I, I traveled all over the country. I wrote a book. It's still on Amazon. <laughs> like I started seven churches and helped wow. start an eighth. Yeah. Like it was, uh, yeah, I, I preached and broke one of the craziest experiences ever. Uh, I love this story because it was one of the most surreal things I've ever experienced. I preached at a high school football stadium in Alabama where like literally the whole stadium was full of people. And when they did the offering, they had KFC chicken buckets that they passed down the aisles. And then they just dumped them into Rubbermaid trash cans. And all the guys that were responsible for the trash cans had like ARs strapped to their back. Like people are singing what Jesus songs and there's like 30 dudes with machine guns collecting chicken buckets full of money. That I is was like, wild, this man. is awesome. <laughs> it is, it was so much fun. Why were they yeah, so, like, so armed? Uh, I mean, it's a lot of money, I guess. And plus oh, okay. it's Alabama. You know what I mean? There was probably yeah. 50, there was probably a hundred trucks in the parking lot that had guns in, you know, invisible. So right. that's how they roll down there. But it was, it was fun and it was, it was a good time, you know, and like I, I got to meet a lot of people. I got to do a lot of cool shit. And my kids were young then. They thought I was famous, which obviously is a dad when your kids think, you know, you're like more special than you are. That's cool. Right. But also at the time in the process, I'd gotten married and I kind of, I, I got married in Harry because I just felt like I needed credibility to be like a preacher. You know what I mean? So I'm going through like all this where I'm like every I'm I'm preaching at my church on Sunday. I'm teaching classes during the week. I'm traveling to Kentucky. I'm going to Mississippi. I'm going here. I'm like, I'm an everywhere man. And then when I come home, it's like the least comfortable I am. You know what I mean? Right. And I started, I started to really like start to realize that for lack of a better way to say it, I wasn't really sure that I believed what I was saying. I was just really good at saying it. <laughs> like I had, I had like a really good knack for just showing up somewhere and letting it rip. And before you know it, and I was like a Pentecostal preacher, dude, like I'm like touching heads and people are falling over and they're putting blankets on them type shit. Really? Um, yeah, actually. Uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's all right. I, I'm just wondering like how real that is. How, do you think it's something um, like hypnosis or do you think that there is some kind of force that is causing, cause you see videos of it. I used, I used to be heavily involved in the church around here and uh, it was not a Pentecostal church or anything like that. It was a very non-denominational modern uh, mega, well, LCBC. Who they are. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, people are not fainting or speaking in tongues. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And I, and I came up like, even when I was, when I was a teenager, I had, I had a friend whose parents were like real involved in the church and they would always try to get me to go to like youth groups and shit. And, um, and that was like my, I went from, I, I was like a Catholic kid growing up, you know what I mean? My family's Latino. It's like, you go to, I listen to 
math and Spanish my whole life. <laughs> so I like going to a place where people are speaking a different language didn't bother me until I realized that I didn't understand what the hell they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> but then seeing it in person, it's honestly, it's a weird thing to explain because though like the rational person in my head, like the, the, the thoughtful side is like, uh, I, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Like what's happening here? Right. Are they just doing it because I touched their head? But seeing it happen, you're like, no, there's something. So I'm going to get a little, little woo-woo on you. But so like one of the gifts that I, one of the things that I used to do when I would travel places is I would basically teach classes. And it's kind of, it's actually like rooted in science. There's a, there's a real good book about this called Subliminal. Um, I forget the guy who wrote it, but it's a really good book. And basically the gist is if you're open to it, you can pick up frequencies of other people. Right. So like, think about how many times you have a thought in your head mm -hmm. a day, tons. But if you're in, if you're in a situation where you're one-on-one -on -one with a person and you have a thought, maybe that thought's not for you. Maybe that thought is coming from them. And if you're open to it, you could lend some insight or, you know, guidance or whatever into that. So I really figured out like how to hear that voice and like differentiate mine from others. So I used to go places and I would just, dude, I'd be in a church of like four or 500 people and I would just point at a person and I'd be like, you look like you love coaching kids and football and blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, like some dude's crying because I just told him his life story just because I was open to it. So I saw that enough that I was like, I think those people are just tuned in, whether it's God or Jesus or whatever, for that moment in time, you're tuned in to the same frequency and you're there for the same reason. And something really like kind of beautiful is happening there. If you think mm -hmm. about it, like, especially in the world we live in now where everybody's so at each other and everything's so chaotic, there really is something like, divine that happens in that space so i have i have tons of respect for that and uh and, and i appreciate the people who are willing to, to go up and and do that that takes balls to be like hey i'm gonna walk up on this preacher and just fall on the floor <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe not and i remember <clears throat> to be honest with you the first time i i, I hit the floor once and the first time it happened to me i went up there skeptical like I was, I was preaching at a thing and it was the guy before me and I went up there and bro, they had like gallons. I was in Kentucky at this giant worship center and they had like gallons of like just basically Crisco that they blessed. So they were like, they're like putting this oil, throwing oil around to people and shit. And I was like, this is wild. I don't even know if I want to preach here now. And then right. I went up there. Sure enough, I end up on the floor and I was what like, did he I do? He, he, he touched your head. Yeah. You yeah, think just this? yeah, just out you, I went. You didn't have any control. And, it just happened. No, dude, it just it just went. Wow. And yeah, and Kentucky was my favorite place to go. But here's the other thing that that makes me think it's real. So I was preaching at this church in Kentucky. Same same kind of network of people were all tied in together. So I was in Tompkinsville, Kentucky. This is like deep south, like 
the the name of the street is like the first family that lives on the street, right? So like Smith Road, it's like oh, really? Bob Smith lives on the first house, and then <laughs> everybody else, and then it's like then they all have their own little churches and shit. And it's like the whole family lives on the same street. They just build houses. It's real. It, it's it's actually cool if you think about it because they just kind of create their own little communities within right. the community. Um, so I it was the it was the first time I took my kids on a trip with me. So I'm like, I I was kind of excited because we're near like Louisville and shit. Like it's, it's not a far drive. So we could actually have a little bit of fun too. And, uh, we go, so I I had to preach like I preach Friday night. I preached like two or three times on Saturday. And then Sunday morning I had a service to do at the people who invited me's little church. And it's by little, I mean, it's a small building, but they had like 60 people there. There's a lot of people for that like small space. Right. So we land, we get in there Friday. I meet the people at the hotel. They give me the keys. And usually how it works is like, they'll pay for your travel. They'll put you up in a hotel and then they'll give you like, depending on how long you be there, it'll give you some money so you can go out to eat and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the pastor at that church, it was a husband and wife, but the wife kind of like ran the show. You know what I mean? So she met us at the hotel and she was like, Hey, I got to tell you something really like crazy happened in our town this week. Like literally that Wednesday, a nine-year-old girl got killed and they found her body in the woods at the softball field where like half the town was. Cause like, that's all they had. Wow. Someone got arrested for it Friday morning. Jesus. This is small town Kentucky, dude. Yeah. Like, like you can look up the happen in a town like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's almost like and and the, once the guy got arrested, it was like everybody, you know, everybody knows that guy, everybody knows his family. Like it's real tense shit. Right. So once if you're not aware of it, you won't notice. But once you told me that, like I started I could see the tension when I was talking to people and we had some really awesome services, man. My kids helped out. And then Sunday morning we get to the church and it's like, this is like my last, I'm like ready to hit the road after this. I preach and then I can go, you know, fuck off in Louisville and eat some barbecue and all that. So I, I start going, I start doing my thing. And the husband who's like the quiet one walks up to me and interrupts me. This never happened to me before. While you're on stage, and, while you're preaching? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what's going on, man? And he's like, hey, I got this brother in the back. He just walked in. And I, I looked, and there's a guy with sunglasses on just sitting in the back row. And he looks super uncomfortable. And he goes, this dude just walked in and told me that when he woke up this morning, a demon told him he was going to kill him. So I'm like, oh, shit, right? Like, it's about, this is a little crazy. So I stop what I'm doing. Like, all right, I'm going to go talk to this guy. I walked to the back of the church and I was like, hey, brother, can I pray for you? And I touched him and I shit you not. Dude's eyes turned black and he started fucking convulsing. And next thing you know, like there's six of us around this dude praying over him. There's ladies speaking in tongues. Like we're a full Pentecostal in this bitch, right? And 
all like after we're good like four or five minutes i'm minding my kids are there so now like the other the other women are like pushing the kids to go outside so they don't see what's going on right so finally like five we're like 10 minutes deep in this thing and some and a lady just dumps a box of bibles on the floor and puts the box next to the guy's mouth because he looks like he's about to eat and this motherfucker spit up this like black ass blob dude went in the box his eyes changed stopped what he was doing and it was like that he was normal again what the hell there was nothing in the box so wait what the black shit just went, went away yeah yeah this is not i'm what? not kidding and then he reached he reached in his pocket and he handed me this case First thing the dude said to me, he reached in his hoodie pocket and he handed me this case and he was like, I don't need this anymore. I opened it up. It was probably eight or nine grams of meth, a pipe, syringes. He had heroin in there. He was like, I don't need this anymore. Crazy. The craziest part about that is I stayed in contact with those people until I left, you know, and and got away from the church. That dude, last time I talked to them was like a deacon at their church studying to be a pastor, like literally. Yeah. Wow. So he was like addicted to drugs, had this demon inside of him, yeah. spit it out and went away. And then, wow, that's crazy. So, so, so that's, yeah. that's always, that's always been like the thing that's kept me away from atheism. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, like I've, I've, and I used to do at my churches, we used to do atheism for Lent. Really? Yeah. So it, it, it was an idea. I believe in God. Yeah. So for Lent, That's an interesting concept. Concept it seems so, kind of counterintuitive. So, yeah, but if you're going to call yourself people of faith, how can you really know how strong your faith is if you can't critique it, right? Fair. So, so every year during Lent, we wouldn't preach from the Bible. We would just pre- like I would literally write sermons based off like Nietzsche shit and really? and all sorts of yeah atheist thinkers and yeah I had did. I did like a whole lecture series on Sam Harris. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah. He's kind of lost his mind now, but um, back in the day, he's a really smart guy. (laughs) And, uh, and I would play, I would, we would do like whole studies on his videos, watch them, talk about them. And that would be like our whole church service. Wow. And at the, at the end of Lent, our churches would grow. It's crazy. Yeah. We'd get more people to come. Wow. So, so why did you end up leaving that? So as I was saying before I got on that whole little tangent there, uh, I wasn't really sure that like, I believed all the stuff right. that I was saying. I wasn't sure I believed everything I read. And like, the more I studied, the more I realized that like, yeah, this stuff really is like, it, it is like a faith-based thing, right? Like you have to look at it from a certain context and you have to understand like what the the goal is of this thing. And I met this really interesting guy who became like a mentor of mine. His name is Alexander Shia. He's just one of the most beautiful men I've ever met in my life. And he is a priest and, and he basically spent, has spent his entire life studying, you know, sacred scriptures. And he basically broke down in a book, it's called Quadratos. Uh, it's a really awesome book. He basically breaks down how like the gospels are actually like a pl- 
a precursor to like the hero's journey, you know, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like each gospel is representative of like a period of time that you already read about when you're reading the old Testament with the Jews, like coming out of slavery and all those things. It's like, you know, how, how do you get out of slavery? How do you exist in exile? How do you receive joy? How do you enter into the promised land? You know, like for Jews, the temple was the center of the world, you know, like every mountain that God touched was sacred. Well, at the end of the last gospel, Jesus ascends from a mountain they don't name, <laughs> right? That's right. like so counterintuitive to uh-huh. the Jewish mindset because they're trying to tell you, they're trying to tell you something. It doesn't mean that a literal guy stood on a mountain and then just floated up in the air right. and no one talked about the mountain. It means like, hey, there is no sacred place now everywhere is sacred you have to change the way you think you have to change your perspective right so i I started to read it that way but i was also surrounded by people who didn't look at it that way so it was like i had tons of friends tons of church people in my life but no one i could have like a serious conversation with right especially when you're like the pastor of the church or you're like the traveling preacher guy figurative not literally yeah yeah so like you can't you can't have like it, or even still it's like i didn't have a guy that i could call and be like hey let's go get a beer i had one he didn't believe the same way i did or wasn't really into that so that was like one of my like solaces in that time was that i did have a buddy that would just like i could go and be like fuck man my life is crazy and he didn't care if i cursed right or if i had if i had doubts or whatever um so i really started to like to question like man am i doing this for the right reason because honestly i took it very seriously what i did like i really poured myself into the people that like i preached to and dude i would go to the hood like two nights a week i'd be at recovery houses in kensington teaching bible studies or like you know a, a uh, anywhere they ask me, I wouldn't ask them for money or anything. I'd be like, sure, I'll I'll spend my own money if I'm if I can help pull someone out of the gutter. Let's do it, you know. Right. Um, so it started to weigh on me because I was like, man, I'm kind of like a charlatan, right? Like I'm not I'm not really I'm living two lives. Like I'm not being honest with myself. I'm not being honest with these people. I'm an actor, yeah, and I'm taking their money. <laughs> that is, it's like. You know, I, bro, I preached one weekend. I went to Virginia. I preached six times in a week and I made like $38,000. In a weekend? Yeah. And it's cash, too. It it, it was, yeah, it was, it was like a tent revival thing. So it was, it was wild that time. So like I'm preaching and people would literally, dude, I'm in a tent in a, in a cornfield on a farm. And literally it's like people as far as I could see. And they're, as I'm preaching, people are coming up and throwing money at my feet. Really? Like, yeah. And, and it's, it, it like really started to affect me in my headspace where I was like, man, like, I'm not okay with this. Like, I'm right. not comfortable with what I'm doing anymore. Like, I, at first it was fun and like, granted, I'm, I'm helping people and I'm doing good things with it, but I'm also lying to myself. I'm lying to them. I'm lying to my kids. Meanwhile, I'm still married to a chick that really doesn't like me. I don't like her. And we're like running a church together where we have to like pastor people together. 
And I was like, so I called uh, we, my churches were part of this big network that they have like a thousand churches all over the place. So I called the guy who we called our apostle. He's the guy who ran the network. And I said, Hey man, I'm, I'm really struggling right now. Like, I don't know that I'm on the page that I, I was six months ago. Like I don't, it's not a lack of like ability or, or desire. Like, Hey, I like money. I like that. I, I could go do the shit that I do. I like that. I have like fancy watches and shit, but also like money's kind of empty. I don't really care about that. So like I, I experienced money when I was young and realized it didn't do anything, but make me miserable and fuck my life up. So I, I told this guy, I don't think I believe what I'm saying. I literally just came out and said it. And his response was, do you have dates on your calendar? Meaning, like, do you have commitments to preach places? I'm like, yeah. Just pray through it, brother. Because obviously, I'm part of his network. I'm kicking money up to him. Right? right? So he likes that, you know, his church is making, you know, 100 grand a year off my churches. Uh-huh. But, but he wasn't really concerned with me. Like right. he didn't take the t- he didn't take the time to say to me like what's going on you know what I mean yeah it's like a, a good analogy I use is like if you got a friend who's who's fucked up or strung out chasing a bottle all the time whatever what's your best approach to like engage with that person with love right is it to ask them what's going on because that thing's just a symptom so it's like hey. Like, what's going on under there that's making you do that? Right. Or do you just point out the thing and be like, you're a piece of shit because you're doing this? Right. One yeah. of those comes from a place of love. The other comes from a place of judgment. Yep. And it was like, hey, this is a guy I've, like, invested time and energy into. I've been making money for you. And I come to you in a time of need. And your response is just keep working and and pray about it. And I, I it, it rubbed me the wrong way. It so I talked to you. I get that. Yeah. So I talked to one of the guys that, uh, that ran one of my other churches. And I said, man, I think, uh, it's like, let me ask you a crazy question. If I just hand it all over to you, think you could handle it? And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very serious right now. And he was like, why don't you just hand it off to everybody? I'm like, hmm, it's not a bad idea. So I reached out to the leaders at all the churches and I asked them, Hey, you want the church? You helped me build it. I'm just a visitor, right? Like I'm just the guy who was like, Hey, here's the place to go. Let's build something here. I show up once a month. You throw me some money. I get to look like a big deal. No, that's your church. And all of them said yes. So, so I, I, I gave it all away. Still. Didn't tell, I didn't tell my wife at the time this. So uh, I go home one day after uh, teaching a Bible study in the city. And I was like, hey, we got to have a conversation. And she was like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm quitting the ministry and I'm turning the churches over to their individual leadership. And she goes, I guess we're done then. Really? Three months later, three months later, we were divorced. So the only thing out. really keeping you together was that. Yeah, exactly. She liked being the preacher's wife. She liked the, you know, 
fancy clothes and dinners and shit like that and the attention she got but she didn't right. really care about me right and then this is your first that, wife yeah So then after that, it, I had like a, a little bit of a, it was weird. I, I don't even want to call it like a crisis because it wasn't. I had like a weird, like overly sort of like emotional and analytical time in my life. Like I moved in, I got an apartment by myself and I just, just chill with my kids. Like I wasn't going out. I wasn't, I was like in the gym, I'm reading books. I'm like watching nerdy shit that I like to watch on YouTube. Just keeping it real low key, trying to. I would do these, I like to call them my stoner meditation sessions where I just like smoke a joint and I'd lay on the floor in my apartment and stare at the ceiling and just like get lost in my head, you know, to try and figure out like what's really going on. in me. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was probably like the most, like probably the most formative time in my life, to be honest, was that little chunk of time uh, right after that. And, you know, it's like, it's weird because you get out of it and like over the course of that three months, like less and less people answer your phone calls or try to reach out to you. You know what I mean? Like when I told my apostle that I was getting separated, he told me to call me back and then he had his assistant call me and tell me they were revoking my credentials. Like it all, like I literally, like I blew my whole life up. I was like, like no one gave a shit either. No. None, none at all. Jesus. So, and and obviously you want to get turned off by that, right? But then yeah. it's like, but then it's like, yeah, but they're kind of a victim of their own system. You know what I mean? Like they're NPCs, really. They're not like, in my opinion, you know, the Bible has all these prophets that you hear about that were some of these dudes are wild motherfuckers. I think over the course of time, like. Prophets, I think prophets exist today. I, I think they just take a different form. So for me, like the modern modern day prophets in my mind are the people who aren't afraid to speak the truth. The people who will say the thing that nobody else will say because they feel compelled to do it for the right reason. Not just to be an asshole, but to be like, hey, I'm right. This isn't a good thing. You shouldn't take this experimental drug if you're a healthy motherfucker, right? Like you, you should be able to say, Hey, why do you want to take my guns? But we don't talk about Chicago and, right. and you can't, you know what I mean? So there are very, there's, there's things that I think we can learn from those guys that can really be revolutionary today. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of the stories and the characters. I just am really not a fan of the people who follow them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, I can relate to that a hundred percent, hundred percent, man. It seems like they're all like, I don't know. There's something like when you were talking about like being in a room with all these people, there is something powerful about that. There's definitely something spiritual going on there. Um, but it also, at least in most of my personal interactions, it also comes with a whole bunch of other shit. Like there's so much right. other things that you ascribe to or act like because of, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on there, but there's something there that's just like, eh, I don't know, you know? And it's all, it's all ridiculous, man. If you, if you like, if you think about it, there, so people look 
all right, you got to keep in mind, this book's thousands of years old. Right. These people existed in a time that we didn't. They had an understanding we didn't have. Like everyone talks about David and Goliath, but you know what David did after he beat Goliath? He cut his fucking foreskin off. Right? He had a collection of foreskins, a barbarian. <laughs> he fucked his buddy's wife and then sent his buddy to the front lines to die so he could keep her. Yeah, that's true. There's a guy you celebrate. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. It's like, but the other side as it shows you like people are fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. But people just, people get too hung up on like the literal aspect or like the rules aspect. And if you really look, like if you have one of those red letter Bibles and you really look at like the red letter shit, the people that Jesus gave the most shit to were the people who thought they had it figured out. They were the people who thought that they were like the keepers of the faith or whatever. Yep. So I feel like the only time that you see Jesus get mad really is when he's flipping tables in the temple or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. The religious people. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> like it's it's the equivalent of like why are you selling t-shirts in the lobby of the church? Right. Yeah. Right. You, you know what I mean? So it, the other side of that is if you I, I've read the Bible cover, I, I mean I still read the Bible. I if, if I, I, I I get something from it differently every time. It's, it speaks to me in ways that like out my heart you know um but the only description of god you ever hear in the bible is god is light and god is love Mm -hmm. so in my opinion that's an easy the easiest way to translate like a god relationship or like a good spiritual practice is like if where you go and in your relationships there's light and there's love and you're helping bring it, God's there, regardless yeah. of your definition of God. Right. And just and, and keep it simple. That's yeah. that's how I tend to look at it now. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually. Like the I've been listening to um Duncan Trussell. Do you know him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Median guy, but he's very spiritual. And I, I've been listening to his podcast where he's talking to other spiritual people or whatever. Yeah, he's a student of uh Ram Das. Yes. And they talk a lot about like a universal consciousness. And I've been wondering, is that God? Like, is that like, was were Christians on to something, right? Like the Bible is on to something there, right? But it's almost like, like you said, there's too many literal things there when I think that they're te- like talking in stories, because that's how we relate and understand things. That's why you can watch a movie and like, get something out of it or read a book, right? a, a, a totally fake fiction book you can get something out of a fake story, you know? Um, but I've also been hearing a lot of stuff about, and I, I need to do more research on this, but like the idea that it's a collection of stories of people tripping on drugs. <laughs> have you heard? Well, this? you know, yes, I have actually, uh, I'm a big fan of Terrence McKenna yeah. and, and post church life. Psychedelics have been part of my life since I was a kid. I sold them. You know what I mean? But um, in the process of that, you know, I used to, I was a teenager and I would sell e-pills to like hippies and shit. And I I learned that it wasn't like a thing that you just do to party. It was like a thing you do to like take you to another place, open your space, o- open your mindset up, you know, shed your ego, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I never really like as as a youngster, like I didn't really think that way. But post church experience, having gone through 
seeing the things I saw, I saw some wild shit, dude. Like I, I watched, like I watched a kid with a limp cause he got shot throw a cane in the dumpster. Cause I prayed for him and walked armor again. Like I've seen some shit. That's wild. Right. That's not bro. It's, there, there's wilder ones, but I don't want to get all lost in the weeds on that shit. I'll I'll share some with you sometime, just me and you. Right. But um, but after that, like the first thing I did when I got out of that little three four month period was I connected with some folks I knew that were, uh, you know, that were spiritual. I guess you could say. I knew I had a couple friends that were involved with this group called the Peacekeepers. Who are like you know real hippy dippy vegan folks who like live on a commune and shit. Um, so I, I went and did a sweat lodge in the middle of winter. Huh? What is that? So basically, this dude had a, a giant property. You and we go in the woods. They literally built a ig- like an igloo shaped thing with sticks, and they cover it in horse blankets. So it's all closed in and then they start a fire and they have these rocks they call them the grandfathers and they get the rocks real hot and then everybody gets into the tent and there's a hole in the middle and they put the rocks in there and they put water on them and it fills the thing with smoke so like there's stages to it so you know you like sing songs and then you smoke like herbs and shit and then you pray you ask the grandfathers to like release things from you. So beforehand they have these little, you get tobacco. I I kind of jumped ahead, but beforehand you get these little ribbons and tobacco and you tie these things together and you put them on the string. It's like your thoughts, your concerns, your worries, whatever. And when you come out of the lodge, you throw them in the fire. So you release them. And it was just a real, real cool experience, man. And to see like, I was there with complete strangers. Right. I knew one guy and he was outside the tent shoveling rocks in. Right. So I was like, I'm there with a bunch of people I don't know. And I'm about to open my shit up. And then uh so I did. And it was such like uh it was such an amazing release. I was like, man, I really like I wanna I wanna pers- I wanna keep pursuing this path of like having a relationship with something outside of myself, looking outside of myself. Um afterwards so after the sweat lodge we have a feast and it was all vegan food i'm argentine so like i'm my entire life i've never had a turkey on holiday until i got with a white girl who made me one okay (laughs) (laughs) like in my family we cook a pig for everything so so it's like we we don't need an excuse to cook a pig but if you give us one we'll cook two pigs (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) so uh but I also, so I love meat. I, I got a smoker in my backyard, all that shit. But uh, I, I really, I, I dig vegan food. I, if it's done right, I, I like the creativity that people have when they're just like stoned, trying to make something taste good. They probably shouldn't if you read the ingredients. Right. So I'm talking to this, I'm, I'm, I get to talking to these people I don't know. And I made some friends. And then before you know it, it was like, hey, man, we're doing this little uh, session at my house, you want to come eat some mushrooms with us and walk around in the woods, see what God does. I'm like, yeah, let's go, you know? So I, 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 I learned like to respect those things and, and treat them well. But man, if I, if I get in a rut, dude, like if I'm feeling down, I'm like, 
I, I should probably just eat a couple grams of mushrooms, sit in the backyard and figure my shit out. Yep. And then I did DMT and this is where the whole game changed, right? Because yeah. you talked about the collective consciousness. You, you talked about the collective consciousness thing. And, uh, bro, I, I never, it's, it's the, I've told you, I've seen some shit, experienced some shit. Wildest thing I ever experienced. Like what literally I was in another place and I got taken on a journey <laughs> by a, an elf that looked like a toad who took me to a cactus and the cactus told me what I needed to hear or when I was getting out of it. Like it was, it was wild. And when I came out of it, I felt uncomfortable because that place felt more real than like life. <laughs> really? Like I felt, I felt so comfortable there. I wasn't afraid. Like there was no fear. There was no like racing thoughts in my head. It was just peace. Like, I'm, I'm on, I don't even know what I look like in that space, right? I could have been eyeballs fucking floating in the ether, following this right. toad around, All right? And, and I heard so many things I needed to hear, and I came out of it, and I, and I was like, man, I, I, like, I don't necessarily want to do that again, because <laughs> coming out of it is a little bit scary, because yeah. you're like, holy shit, like, where the fuck was I? Right. Um, but it opened me up to being like, man, maybe I do want to like explore this path a little bit more. Like, I think I'm, I'm going to try and plan an ayahuasca trip sometime in the future. Cause I, I, I want to see like, what, what can God do through those things? Cause I think, you know, like Duncan Trussell says, like, you know, uh, Terrence McKenna, I think was the first guy to talk about stone date theory. Right. Yes. Where he says like, like monkeys awesome. found mushrooms. Yeah, while well, well, brains grew like crazy fast in a very mm -hmm. short amount of time. Like, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the missing link could legitimately be psychedelics. Yeah. Honestly, that, that could that could be the one thing that connects us to God. And uh, you know, I'm also my knowledge of that has really helped me with my kids too. You know, like I told you, my son's 19. Uh, he he was a shithead teenager, just like I was. Not really. I was much, much worse than him. But it's like, you know what teenagers do. They they smoke weed and they want to go drink with their friends. And my my grandmother, the one <clears throat> the one good thing I would say about her is she always gave me and my friends a safe space to be like fuck ups. So we didn't get in trouble. So if I was like, hey, there's a kegger in the woods, can I have 20 bucks so I could buy a cup and get a dime bag? I would literally say that to her. And she'd be like, how about I buy you guys a case of beer and your friends just stay over here and we'll get pizzas. Right. And then like, she caught, like she caught a smoking weed in the bedroom and just like, what the fuck are you doing in here? Open a window. And, and it was cool because we never, never got an underage drinking ticket, never got fucking hammered and fell asleep in the woods. Like it was safe. Everyone knew. Right. So I, I tried, I tried to keep, do the same with my kids and it's helped because they haven't gotten in trouble. They don't go. You're going to do it. Anyway. So yeah, exactly. Make it so it's safe and that you're there downstairs or upstairs, whatever, you know, it's yeah. something that happens or, you know. Right. Would you rather your kid be hammered in your backyard or be hammered in the woods 
with a bunch of kids you don't know. Right. And nowhere to sleep that night. Like exactly. That's what it was yeah. in high school, dude. We used to go down to the river yeah. and drink and be like, where are we crashing? Yeah. Oh, I'm fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we had a couple of those like walk to four of our friends' houses in the middle of the night, knock on windows and see if we could yeah. crash. <laughs> it was good that none of my parents like my my mom wasn't friends with any of my friends' parents really. Because we would always just say we were staying at each other's house. And oh, see. Have anywhere to stay, you know? I, I grew up, the neighborhood I grew up in is called Croydon. And I, it's basically, I always tell people whenever I travel and they ask me about Pennsylvania, I'm like outside of the y'all and the yins, right? Like outside of Philly and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is fucking Alabama, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's, especially it's, like. Kind of near state college up in the mountains and shit. Like that's that's oh. Appalachia. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You're 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 in Trump country, son. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. that's the deep giant Trump <laughs> signs, dude. <laughs> right. Like there yeah. there's no crime up there because everybody's fucking strapped. Right. Yeah. So and there's, no, co- um, there's no police station for miles, miles and miles. Oh, like it's lawless. Which I which I love. We can get the, the politics thing if we want, but um, but my my town was basically like our town had a, was uh, woods, and then they started chopping woods down because they built a big steel mill and it, it was a steel town. So it was like you worked at the steel mill, you worked at Roman Haas, or you were an electrician or plumber. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. every dude in my fa- literally every dude in my family is an electrician. Really? Like right, I work for an electric company right now because it's just what we do, right? Yeah. Like it's <laughs> so it it was all like you know con- construction workers, like you know steel workers, shit like that. But they all came from like my my grandmom's family. It's like my mom's mom's family is from St. Mary's, PA. Okay, that's like I mean, you might as well be in West Virginia, bro. Where is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's like in the middle of the state, but upstate. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Just mountains. I was, I was, yeah. 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 Which is, hey, it's cool, but, you know, if right. you got to marry your second cousin because that's the only option, that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's a thing. That's a, that's a thing out there, I think. Bro, I, I have I have two cousins. This is one of the, I And I don't even know how I feel about it still after all these years. But I have two cousins that are brother and sister who married a brother and sister. Yeah, dude, that's dude. Okay. Each, hold that's, on. Each of them, each of them had two kids, a boy and a girl. All the fucking kids look the same. Really? Dude, all the kids look the same. Dude, that's the weird shit. That's literally how my grandparents are. My grandpa married my grandma and my grandpa's brother married my grandma's sister. Wow. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird. Cause I remember being a kid and I was like, why is your cousin at both family Christmases? Like that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, Oh, because like it's all connected. It's weird. But I don't think my mom and her cousin look very similar, but uh, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think I'm too inbred, I guess. We got we got all sorts oh, of trashy shit in my family, right? So it's it's it, it, it's it's funny because so on the one side of my family, my family's Argentine. 
on the other side of my family, my grandmother, my mom's mom is actually adopted. My, my pop, who is my great grandfather, brought her home from the war. She was adopted from Hitler youth. Really? Yeah. So like my grandma was like a literal Nazi kid. (laughs) Wow. And, and then she married full blown native American. Okay. My grandfather is Blackfoot Sioux, hundred percent grew up on the reservation. He, when he married my grandma, his son was older than her. His daughter was one year younger. Wow. No one said a fucking thing. My my grandma Today, literally dude, has a stepson like, older than him. Doing, bro? Right? Nowadays, you'd be on a list, bro. You'd yeah. be canceled. No yeah. one batted a fucking eye. No, no one that's cared. Wild. Yeah, that's, no one gave a shit. Dude, that's yeah. like how you can be your own grandpa. You ever hear this? No. I forget how it works, but you can, you can technically be your own grandpa. Is if you marry a girl who has a daughter that marries your mom or no dad i guess or something like that it's it, there's a song about it it's just a funny thing i don't think anyone's ever done it but it's possible that you're like your own step grandpa I, I really hope no I, I really hope no one takes that trip <laughs> i don't know <laughs> no one tries to walk that fast that's a while yeah i don't think i don't think anyone has but you know i, I don't know there's a lot of people out there um like, hey this is this is my uncle my stepdad and my grandfather <laughs> and they're all one guy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep Hey everybody, Austin here. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, please drop the show a follow on Spotify or subscribe if you're an Apple Podcast listener. It really helps the show grow and you'll always know when I have a new episode with a bold and unique guest. All right, let's get back to the show. So how did you get into politics then? Because you leave you leave the church uh, and then you, you start going to work as an electrician or? Uh, well, I've always done that. So like I, I always... I, I even when I ran the churches, I still I ran a control panel shop and did electrical design. So that's always been something I did. Politics has always been fascinating to me. So, like I said, my abuela is from Cuba. So I remember being a kid, like as a kid, I was just fascinated with like learning about Argentina and Cuba, and I would ask questions. And like my abuela grew up, she has. 11 siblings her her parents and her siblings lived in a one-bedroom apartment and and with their aunt and uncle who lived in the house because they need a place to stay so you had two couples sharing a big bedroom and then you had 12 kids that would sleep on the floor they had a pattern figured out so they could all fit and as people grew up they had to change the pattern Right. And if someone got sick, you'd have to just like, you know, put rags on their head and give them tea and try to like walk them through it because you couldn't go to the store and buy medicine. And if you went to the store and you stopped and had a conversation with your neighbor, the government might, you know, police might come and talk to you because they're concerned you're conspiring. Like it's real wild shit in, in communism does. So... I, I pretty much had, and then my grandfather from Argentina, like, I mean, Argentina, that's a, this is a, I always joke about this because my grandmother was literally a Nazi. And all, all, after the war, they all fled to Argentina and somehow my parents got connected. Um, but right. the, the, 
But Argentina was essentially run by like Nazi sympathizers. They're fascists. So like my grandfather played professional soccer in Argentina and like it was so bad there. He gave up like a professional sports career to move to the United States. Right. Because like a trade. Because yeah, like he became he became a mechanic and an electrician. And 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 he gave all that up. And it it was funny because he used to tell me he'd be like he he would the first adult conversation my grandfather never talked to me about the birds and the bees. He just he would be like, Man, I got so much pussy when I played soccer. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. He'd be like, like, that's the thing I miss the most. (laughs) Give up give up a professional sports career to go be a mechanic just because of the laws. That's pretty cool. But think about but think about this. In nineteen seventy eight they had the World Cup in Argentina in Buenos Aires, where like part of my family's from the other parts. My uh, most of my family is like way south, Ushuaia. It's like Antarctica, basically. It's the fucking southernmost part of Argentina in the summer. It gets to like sixty degrees. That's okay. <laughs> wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have family from Ushuaia and Mendoza, which is like wine country, and then I have a little bit in Buenos Aires and in the Gal Brazil because they got moved up when the government went crazy. But in, in seventy eight, they had the World Cup in Argentina. And literally, like, a half a mile from the arena was a prison where they kept people who were dissenters. So it was like, if you said, if you said something bad to the government, about the government, like, the fascists are going to throw you in fucking prison. Or they'll, or they'll take you up on a helicopter and throw you out for fun. Like, wild shit. So I don't blame them for leaving. Oh, yeah. but, But also, like, hearing those stories and hearing it from my, my grandmother, and then, you know, I was always interested in that stuff. So I started paying attention to politics in the United States when I was like eight or nine, dude. Like I literally, I literally, I'm 40 years old. I have not missed a presidential debate on either side, like including primaries since I was nine. Really? Like, I'm not, I'm not even joking. Holy shit. Even yeah. while you were incarcerated? Oh uh, yeah. Wow. I had a TV in jail. Come on, yeah. man. I am, I am, I am poor. <laughs> it didn't get good until Trump got there. Then you're like, all right, fucking shit's really kicking off. <laughs> I mean, Trump made it Trump made it entertaining. Yeah. It's why it's wild too. One of my favorite moments, I'll never forget this. I remember Howard Dean, I think it was 04. Howard Dean won the New Hampshire or Iowa primary and was so excited afterwards. He was like, now we're going to go to Virginia and we're going to go to California yes, and we're going to go to the White House. <laughs> yeah, he gets real fucking, into it. He like, he did a Ric Flair woo at the end and it ruined his presidential campaign. Yeah. Trump's <laughs> on stage with Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and he's like, you're a loser, you're a choke artist and your wife's ugly. Oh, <laughs> you got small hands. Yes. <laughs> It's like that's my guy. Yeah, bro. I remember because I was involved in the church at the time still, and obviously when you depending on where you go, like for the most part, churches lean right. It's like church people tend to be like single issue voters. You know what I mean? Or Mm -hmm. or or like two issue voters. Or like, how do you feel about abortion? And are you going to take my guns? Are you cool with gays getting married? Like it's like one of those three. Yeah. Is like the most important thing to them. So you got them figured out pretty good. 
But to see church people get behind Trump was also like a wild experience. Very, yeah. Yeah. And the funniest part about this, so I'm not, I'm on Twitter now, just like I have a Twitter just because that's where I get my news from. But I'm, I've been off social media for a couple of years now. But at the time, dude, this is funny. So I leave the church in September, right? I'm like in the verge of getting divorced, all this shit. But I'm still like I had maxed out Facebook friends because of my travels and whatnot. Right. So I'm, just, I'm still trying to like connect with people and like have conversations with people I know, whatever. So oh, the election happens. Now, I hate, I hate this like two-party system. We can get an afterwards if you want, but, but I've literally, as long as I've been a registered voter, I've voted for the libertarian candidate with the exception of Barack Obama the first time because I fell for it like everybody else did, basically. It was like, hey, this is kind of a, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like cool, kind of a cool moment for progress mm-hmm. in our country. So, so why not? But um, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I didn't vote for Hillary either. I voted for Gary Johnson. Right. Yeah. So you call me a vote What's waster a or whatever. Right. Yeah. How how that ruined him? But Trump's talking about grabbing chicks by <laughs> yeah, the pussy. It's pretty wild. It is, yeah, it's crazy. You didn't know what fucking it, Aleppo was either, bro. <laughs> I had no idea. Honestly, me neither. I'm like kind like, of a nerd. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I don't even, I couldn't point to Aleppo on a map. <laughs> no, but uh, Syria, right? That's the capital of Syria. That's what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, so watching all that shit go down, and then seeing Trump actually win, like I was kind of in shock a little bit. Where I was like, wow, how did this happen? But it taught me a crazy lesson. This is. I, I put this in like one of my top five experiences with like social relationships and it's pretty close to the top. Uh, I was maxed out on Facebook friends because I was preaching and doing all this shit. Trump's announced as president elect and I go on Facebook and I said, and I, and I put a post that was very simple to all my quote unquote Christian friends. I hope an election was worth your credibility. <laughs> that's a good, that's a powerful statement. <laughs> I literally within 36 hours lost 2,700 Facebook friends. Jesus. They all just unfriended like, you? Yeah. Like, dude, people unfriended me. People blocked me. The post had like, a, dude, I had like a thousand comments of people telling me I lost my way. And I'm like, oh, I believed in you. People call me a heretic. I got hate messages. I have people in my DMs like Trump's a prophet of God. You're going to burn in hell. I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but again, it, 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 it shows you how once people cling on to something, like you can turn anything into a cult. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is basically what was going on there. And it still kind of is. Yeah, but I here's something that I think gets missed sometimes in the Trump conversations I hear people have because everyone's like, oh, he's a racist. He said this. He was a, a joke, like this kind of shit. And I get it, yeah. But he was also the first guy, like, I feel like identity politics kind of 
started under Obama. Was it his fault? I don't know. He probably contributed to it somewhat, right? But Trump was like the first guy, like one of his first debates. Uh, he said something about Jeb Bush. He was talking with Jeb Bush, and he said something to him, and the whole audience booed. And and all Trump says is the reason they're booing is because it's their dope. He said, right. We asked for tickets to this. He said, there is none. It's all donors coming from. He's like, and they're not cheering me on because I don't need their money. So he was the first guy to be like, there's money <laughs> here and they're propping up these politicians to get what they want, whoever has the money. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Whether it's a corporation or just a rich dude or whatever it is. And I think that that kind of gets missed because everyone was like, okay, this guy isn't bought and paid for like and so it kind of excused all the other ridiculous shit he did because they just wanted someone that spoke to them you know yeah and i and i think i agree with you 100 percent that barack obama was like a, a key driver and i'll be honest with you I, I do i'm not i'm like i'm a fan of conspiracy theories and shit and, and we we could do a fucking eight hour podcast on that because um, I'll teach you some stuff, but <laughs> I, I I think he was one of the drivers of that for sure, and I I, I don't want to say it the way that it sounds in my head because it might sound a little bit racist, but I I also wonder if part of that is like our country wasn't really ready for a black president, but a lot of people voted for him because they thought they were, and then when he got there a lot of shit became about race, yeah. right? It was like, if you criticized Obama, you were a racist. Right. It's like, dude dropped more bombs than George W. Bush. Yeah. He literally, he killed a 16-year-old American citizen in a drone attack. Yeah. He Barack Obama, he is a war criminal. He literally, yeah. he would drone attack weddings and funerals and his kill rate on targets was like 15%. Like literally 85% of the people that got killed were innocent bystanders. Jesus Christ. So I didn't know that. So so hey, if you're so so if you're at your fucking cousin's wedding and your whole family gets murked, how are you gonna feel about the United States? So not only <laughs> not only did it drive the identity politics that put us in this weird situation where we're in now where we have all these fucking alphabet people and pronouns and you're a bigot if you don't believe this or, or or whatever the fuck but he also made our relationship with the rest of the world dramatically worse than george w bush did and people get mad if i say that but it's the truth because mm -hmm. george w bush w was focused he was like i'm going to get to dom because my daddy didn't finish the job. Right. And I want the oil. Then, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then we're going to sneak into Afghanistan because they got the poppy fields. Yep. So we have such a problem with drugs in our country, but American soldiers protect poppy fields in Afghanistan that create opium that turns into heroin. Really? Yes. Is it all, is it very much connected? Like, is that like, they? it's, 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 it's all connected. Think about this, right? Like, and, and this, 
this is the craziest part of the Trump shit because Trump was right. So, all right, I'll give you, let's go back in time. Have you ever heard Eisenhower's farewell address when he left the presidency? I feel like I was just listening to something about it. I don't think I've never heard it directly, but enlighten me. So in his farewell address, instead of talking about like how he hopes the country goes, like he, he doesn't talk about it. He talks about the danger of the military industrial complex. Oh yeah. It's it's really one of the wildest things. So when you hear that and then you see JFK, dude, right before JFK gets his fucking brains blown out, which come on from get out of here. Uh, But right before he, (laughs) right before he gets his brains blown out, he gives a speech on secret societies where he says the very word secrecy is repugnant. And there exists like a dark shadow government trying to work against the people. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, he can't say that. Right. Exactly. And then fast forward. One of the things that actually turned me in Trump's direction was he was speaking somewhere and he talked about it. He said the military industrial complex is real. He was like, there are people I can't challenge because they will kill me. that's that might not be like the direct quote but that's the gist of what he said yeah Uh Yeah. so when you look at how they treated him right like adam schiff dude there's there's a website you can go to i think it's opensecret.com and you can look at all these politicians and who their donors are Uh uh-huh yeah go look at adam schiff look at all aoc Look at all these Democrats and see how many of them are funded by Raytheon or Lockheed Martin. How many of them? Oh, oh, dude, it's tons of them. If you're Raytheon, if you're Lockheed Martin and your business is missiles and war machines, do you want peace? No, you're creating a necessity for war. Right. Exactly. So so it's similar to like what the Rothschilds did back in the day where they funded both sides of the war. Because they were like, hey, we're going to arm everybody because war is going to be good for us. Right. And then what do they do? They leap to the London Stock Exchange that Napoleon won. The stock market crashes. Napoleon lost. They own two thirds of the economy in London or in the UK. Like. It's it, it's all manipulation game. It's mm-hmm. all it's all built on propaganda. Like think about this: they knew that that fucking sub, that weak. How are you going to go in a dude? If I, one, I wouldn't go in a submarine anyway because I'm. This is not my not my bag. But if I got in a submarine with you, bro, and you were like, "Here's how we're going to drive this thing," and you had a Nintendo sixty four controller, I'd be like, "I'm gone." Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But these motherfuckers died on Sunday. They didn't admit it till Thursday. And they definitely knew. Because, like the Navy knew. But yeah, but why didn't they do that? Because the Hunter Biden story was going to drop. Mm-hmm. There was something else going on too that I feel like was a distraction. Oh, like the the Russian Civil War that lasted a day. Yeah, right. The mercenaries that 
almost took over Moscow, but yeah. didn't even go to Moscow. Yeah. And then they just it's, randomly it's, changed their mind. Like it was weird. So you look at all this shit uh-huh. and you see how much some of these people are protected. Mm-hmm. Like Nancy Pelosi's husband had a gay prostitute drug addict in his house in the middle of the night, hit him with a hammer. Yeah. And we're just supposed to believe that that's like a break in. Yeah. That's what the story one of the most one of the most highly guarded communities in California. And so he broke in and they were just hanging out. And then all of a sudden it got aggressive. So he was like with the hammer. Yeah. The cops show up. So he hit the guy with the hammer. That doesn't make sense. Also, if you rewind a little bit, not long before that, Paul Pelosi got pulled over for a DUI and he had a male passenger and that whole story disappeared and he became losing the car by himself. He's also 100% accurate on stock trades, which is kind of suspicious. Well, that was the (laughs) next thing I was going to say. So how do you like, all right, so I ran for state representative in PA. Pays like 180 grand a year, which to me is like, to be honest with you, like a little ridiculous because I have I have a mistrust of the government and I I think all that shit's a waste of money, right? I'm I'm all for that's that's why I identify with libertarians. Like I'm more an anarchist in terms of like I think we have so many relationships that lack hierarchy that we don't really need hierarchy. Right. If everything's voluntary and we're all like working with each other, then it's built off trust. It's built off shared values. Right. It's like when people are like, oh, how would you deal with police? Okay. Well, what happens when Saudi princes come over here? They hire security guards. And if they grab a girl's ass in an elevator and she calls the cops, the security guards punch the cop in the fucking face and say, you're not going to mess with this guy. Why do they do that? Because they're getting paid. Right, they're not a eighteen dollar an hour police officer who's supposed to quote unquote protect and serve. Right? right, private security will always trump public policing because public policing is dependent on the public. Right. Whereas it's hey, we need X amount of dollars to make sure our community is safe. Let's put it there. Same thing with like you know healthcare. Everybody's like, oh, we need universal healthcare. Okay, so you just want people to work for free? You want people to pay tens of thousands of dollars? to go to school, to become nurses and doctors, and then they have to work voluntarily for you. Right. That's not fair. Right. Yeah, what you're so, talking about is free market, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's like, hey, you, we've gotten to this place where like it used to be about equality and now it's about equity. And there's a huge difference. Equality is like, hey, we're all going to treat each other the same. Equity mm-hmm. is like, hey, we all start off the same. That's communism. You don't yeah. want that. It doesn't end well. Right. And anybody who says communism just never been right, you should be the first one up against the wall when the revolution comes. Because okay. like it's you're you're retarded. Right? Like <laughs> basically <yeah. laughs> honestly. And and so I I look at I, I I think the way that the current political sphere is just reinforces those things in me. And Trump is a good part of the reason why. That's why I wanted to get back to that because it was stuck in my head for a minute. Uh, but look at what they did to this guy. Think about it. We live in a day and age where 
Like everybody's connected, right? So like in the 1800s, and you can look this shit up, there's tons of, there's two common themes in like the not connected age of like the 17, 1800s. You'll, you'll see tons of stories about great fires and you'll hear tons of stories about great men with no backgrounds who started towns, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what would happen? People would start towns so they could create some workers that would make them money. And when those people got out of line, they burnt the fucking town. Right now, now now they can't do that. Right now they can't do that because everybody's connected. So they have to find other ways to do it, and it really just becomes a system of control. And I know I sound super tinfoil hat right now, but I don't care because if you look at it, really, (laughs) it, it it really is. It's a system of control where everything they do is created to make the gap between us and them bigger Mm -hmm. and anyone who doesn't toe the line is going to be smeared or censored that's not far from jailed right like really not very far it's not a far step from hey my my abuelo fled argentina because of fascists putting people in prison for talking bad about the government so now I can't talk bad about my government because they'll throw me in prison and I'm in the freest country in the world. That's right. it's, 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 it's really not a far step. And everything they've done to this dude, like they honestly can't kill him. That's why they're doing what they're doing because they can't. If they kill him, it'll be obvious. <clears throat> well, not only will it be obvious, but Jeffrey Epstein was obvious and no one gives a shit. Right. Like what happened from that? You know what I mean? Just a so bunch it of would be memes. like people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Exactly. But, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but with Trump, here's why they won't do it. Like RFK actually has lately in interviews. I, I, said, I'm ready to, I was going to ask you about this. Cause he I said, said that, said that on Rogan, Rogan was like, so you believe the CIA killed your dad. Do you, take precautions to like make sure that you don't get killed and he's like yeah i yeah. think about it all the time <laughs> i watched that whole interview yeah and 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 he he's said a it tough on, listen, though, dude oh i know i know I, I, I can't i can't take this voice i'm yeah. sorry but in fact i don't want to listen to a state of the union that sounds like this right yeah Mercury. but also Excellent. right but also the guy is like political royalty in this country and he, he gets railroaded because he doesn't toe the line. Right. So I agree with a lot of his policy shit. Mm-hmm. Like the, the worst, think about this way. If you're in favor of gun control, I would ask you to do serious research on the statistics that we have in this country. More Good guys with guns stop crime than cops do. Yeah, it's in like the hundreds of thousands of cases per year, right? Yeah. If you take if you take Detroit, Chicago, Philly, New York, and LA out of those statistics, we're in the top percent of gun violence. Like it it literally mainly exists in those areas. Right. So it's like, <clears throat> did you see what happened in Baltimore this weekend? No, I haven't been paying attention. 
Oh, so there was a, a mass shooting. Two people got killed. 20 people got shot at a birthday party in Baltimore. Sounds like some you know Baltimore what, shit. Yeah, yeah, body more murder land. Yeah, uh. you, you didn't. But you know what they didn't mention in the articles about it? The ethnicity of the shooter. Why? Because right. he probably wasn't. Because they white. weren't white. Yeah. Right. Or as or it was a white supremacist with a real dark tan, right? Like it's it's wild the way they paint these pictures. Uh huh. Yeah. And and that is that's actually a mechanism to silence you. Mm -hmm. Freedom of speech and and right to bear arms are they're they're one and the same. They go together. It's hey, I have the right to say what the fuck I want, and then I'm I have the right to back it the fuck up if you try to tell me I can't. Yeah, that's a that's a very common misunderstanding about the Second Amendment is that it's there for personal protection against other citizens. It's really not. It's it's against it's to protect uh, the citizens from the government. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Being necessary and, to keep a free state. Exactly. And look what happened in Australia back in like I think it was like 95, 96. They had one mass shooting. They got rid of guns. How did they what happened with them during COVID? They had literal camps that they were sending people. Mm hmm. Because they because they it, couldn't defend themselves. And then you see our politicians in, in the United States are like, people say we want to take your guns. We don't want to take your guns. And then in the same breath, we'll say, but we would consider doing a buyback thing like Australia did a mandatory buy. Just because you're giving me money for my gun doesn't mean you're not forcing forcibly taking them. Yeah. And when you say it's mandatory, you're essentially telling me I have no choice. Yeah. So you're you're forcing it on me. Right. And the reason they <clears throat> the reason that really won't work here is because people aren't stupid anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Like I mean I remember I remember Ruby Ridge. I remember Waco. I remember the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm -hmm. Right like I remember the guy who spoke out Terrence oh what's his name? Terrence Yeeke. He was a cop who spoke out about the narrative of the Oklahoma City bombing. And they found him in a field with his throat slit. He had been drugged by a rope through a field, shot multiple times, and they ruled it a suicide. Jesus Christ. Well, no, weren't a lot of these guys, like almost all of the ones that you said about, weren't they all products of like MK Ultra too? Oh, dude, so much of that. Is that just man? No, it was Manson, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. He okay. he was seriously, they fucked him up a lot. But a lot of what happened there was kind of like manipulated by government people. So there are people that are involved, that were involved with, oh, what's the name of it? There, so there was a place that was called Elohim City, which was like a big militia, like foreground. And then you had people in Ruby Ridge and obviously you had the Branch Davidians of Waco. But if you look at all this shit, Elohim City was never raided. And that was like a hub for all these people. Ruby Ridge was raided by feds and they shot a pregnant woman and a kid. Unprovoked. Mm -hmm. And it was all because they got misled on the guy, right? Like it wasn't even... Yeah, I think it was based off false information. I'm I'm a little cloudy on some of that stuff. But 
So basically you, you go and you kill a woman and a child and then you try to paint this guy a certain way, but you have a group of these people that are a certain way and you're not really doing anything about these people. And then you go to another place where you're like, Hey, this guy has a lot of guns. Well, it's fucking Texas. So the gun laws, I'm, I'm talking about Waco now yeah. is you, you see this place where like, Hey, these people have, a little commune they're out in the middle of nowhere but they're preparing for something for what we don't know because who they're going to attack right it's right it, it, it's really silly it's like people are basically arming themselves for protection not for like an assault right and they were really looking for a way to recover from ruby ridge they're they're connected in that way where they're like hey we fucked up there we have to do something that makes us look good. Well, and then they go into Waco. And they framed it so weird, too. Because if you say, like, oh, like, I mean, the people that were in that commune or whatever wanted to be there. Like, right. It was all voluntary. That guy, uh, David Koresh. Koresh, right? yeah. He was obviously a cult leader and was manipulative of people, obviously. But that doesn't mean that the FBI should just go and start shooting at them and shit like right it doesn't mean you bring tanks to someone's house right yeah so so what i'm getting at is fed involvement is obvious in those cases because well one the feds fucked up real bad in ruby ridge but also they had to have informants in elohim city because they never raided it why wouldn't they raid a hub of white supremacist militia men with weapons right why would you mess with yeah so they had to have had people there which were feeding them information about all these things or they were manipulating things to get shit they wanted to get into motion right right so you hear so if you're fed and you hear oh this guy randy weaver has a ranch up in ruby ridge and he's got a bunch of guns and then you go to your fucking boss and you're like hey there's this guy who's got a bunch of guns and then all of a sudden that guy gets raided right it's like think about do you know who brandon caserta is that's a guy you should reach out to talk to he was one of the people who got arrested for plotting to kidnap gretchen whitmer the governor of michigan yeah one of the oh so he was one of the two that wasn't an fbi agent exactly exactly (laughs) there was like 12 fbi agents right and two 12 feds yeah. Right. It, it's it, so if you look at all this shit, the government's been working against us all the time to the end and to the end. Like, if you think about it, what Trump represents is what they've been trying to destroy for a long time. Mm-hmm. Not him as a person, but like the movement itself, the people who are behind him. Right. It's like, hey, you fucked with us for so long. You've chipped away at our values for so long. And you've lied to us and tried to basically make it where we can't defend ourselves against you, even verbally. Right. Why would we support you? And the more shit you try to do to that guy, the more indictments you throw on him, the more fucking bullshit impeachments you throw at him. You're giving him more power. So, yeah. The more powerful he is. Like, how are you going to call? All right, I don't. I'm a music fan, uh, right? 
how are you going to call Donald Trump a racist when he was friends with Chuck D before he became president? How many fucking rap videos was Donald Trump in? Mac Miller literally wrote a song Dude, called Donald Trump. I saw him in 2013, right? And I guess he, in 2013, I was kind of out of politics then. I was just, I was still in high school. Maybe it was 2014. I don't know. But but Trump, maybe it was 2015. I honestly don't know. But he, but Trump had obviously announced his candidacy and he played that song and he's like, all I got to say is don't vote for this motherfucker. <laughs> and then, and then he sings a song about him. <laughs> Yeah, it's so it's very clear that like there's something about him that the system is not a fan of. And mm-hmm. I think a big part of that is like granted I don't I don't agree with a lot of the shit he did, but it takes balls to go to North Korea. Yeah. And why wouldn't you if you're really trying to like make peace? with another nuclear power. If this guy's fucking rocket man. Hold on. We're still coaxing like talking shit to this motherfucker on the internet. Little yeah. rocket man. Yeah. And then and then he goes popping, popping off on the internet and then going there. Like, bro, you got balls of steel. Yeah. Right? It, that's a good thing. Yeah, it like, seems they, the rest of the world I mean, I don't know. Some of the rest of the world was laughing at it. But uh, but the world leaders respected us <laughs> during right. his presidency, for sure. And the Abraham Accords, like that was that was huge. I don't There's much never been a so basically the Abraham Accords was like a essentially a sort of peace treaty between Middle Eastern countries. First ever flight from Israel to the United Arab Emirates. Right. That's that's a that's a huge move. They yeah. never they they never said anything good about that. You know the one time the mainstream media said praised Trump and actually said he acted presidential was when he bombed Syria. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, dude, I don't know a ton about foreign policy, but what I do know is that it seems like a lot of it's provoked by the United States. I mean, even the Ukraine war right now, like I heard I saw an interview with Putin and there's this one guy, one reporter who journalist who got like exclusive access to Putin. And Putin's there sitting there and, you know, obviously he's a manipulative, shitty individual. So you got to take it with a grain of salt what he's saying. But what he's saying is he basically says when you have countries that border us like Romania joining NATO and then the United States puts missiles there pointed towards us, what are we supposed to do? You know, and you got to kind of understand where he's coming from. Like, yeah. And and it's wild to me. If you think about it, like we, our economy is so connected to China that it doesn't matter what Xi Jinping does. Our, our politicians aren't quick to criticize him. Like most of them flip flop on the Taiwan thing which that's a whole nother story. Like, I don't understand how like our, our dads and grandfathers can make deals to protect countries with us, uh, you know, without our consent. That's, that's kind of lame. So I think those deals are, are kind of bullshit to mm-hmm. be honest with you. But regardless, it's like, I, I worked 
in like I I worked in exports for like seven years at factories in China. So like we're over here making Vladimir Putin the big scary guy. But I don't know if you know about BRICS, but BRICS is uh it's Brazil, Russia, India, oh, China, and Spain. Yeah. <clears throat> so Br- BRICS is basically these other countries who d- decided to create their own G7. Right. right? So they decided to create their own group where they're like, hey, we'll trade with each other. We'll operate within our own currencies. We'll share resources amongst ourselves because these motherfuckers want to treat us like the bad guy. No yeah. one talks about that. Mm-hmm. Like, Wait, because even they- like... They're interviewing Trump. There was like a town hall or something recently. And they're interviewing Trump and they're like, do you want Ukraine to win this war? And he's like, I don't think it's about winning and losing. I just want people to stop dying. Right. And people are like shitting on him for not saying he wants Ukraine to win the war. But it's like, isn't it better that the war is over and there's peace over there? Isn't that better than Ukraine winning? Well, I mean, I don't know. It depends who you ask. Because I saw, the the narrative. I, I saw, I saw Lindsey Graham sitting in front of Zelensky, laughing about dead Russian. Yeah, like right. I look tough. at what happened. I look at what happened in. I'll give you for instance what's happening in France right now. Right. Yeah, I I need to get looking into that too. I'm he, hearing a lot, but I don't know. Muammar Gaddafi literally made Libya the most prosperous country in Africa. They had propped him up. The <clears throat> all the elites made him seem like he was on on the level with them. And he basically said like, hey, I'm standing between you and an invasion of blacks and Muslims. Right? Like if my country doesn't have the ability to prosper, they're gonna come your way. He warned them. And as long as he played ball, he was cool. Then he decided that he was going to sell his resources, oil, in his own currency. And they murdered him in the fucking street and shoved a broomstick up his ass with news cameras watching. Really? And Hillary Clinton went on TV and said, he came, he saw, he died, and laughed about it. It's weird because, and and it seemed like when I was little, like I always heard that like the Republicans were these warmongering, crazy war people, but it's like, now it seems like it's the Democrats, man. It seems like they just want to like bomb people and fucking blow shit up and fucking assassinate people. And like, it's really weird to be honest with you, because they're supposed to like all these socialist motherfuckers, like the Hassan Pikers and AOCs, think that like billionaires shouldn't exist and shit but how quick are they to get behind big corporations when people who don't agree with their politics shit on those corporations right how quick were they to get behind big pharma when it came to the jab like the the whole thing is upside down man it's -hmm. really weird because i've never like i'll be honest with you i've always considered myself like an anarcho-libertarian type person right like I've never felt like I, I never felt like I agreed with everything on both sides. But like as time goes on, I find myself more and more like I get 
feeling like I identify with Republicans. And I kind of hate it, to be honest with you. Because yeah. those are the people who are, they're supposed to be like the people who like are for censorship and, you know, the MPAA and parental advisory stickers and shit like that. And I'm like, they're supposed to be the moral majority. And now they're like the people who kind of make sense. And <clears throat> I, I, I don't know how to square that up, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little depressing, but also I think that's going to be the direction everybody goes right like i'll give i'll give you a kind of a roundabout way to say this but we always tend to overcorrect right so when you think about it it's like we're a super like puritan and shit in the beginning and over time you get resistance and then it's like you have the hippies and then everybody's like the hippie season ends with you know the mansons and all that shit and everybody starts to get back to like conservatism, family values or on drugs. And, and then cocaine introduces itself and it becomes like Wall Street greed. And you got like, you know, housewives vacuuming on meth and shit like that. And 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 then, you know, it kind of then you get gangster rap and all this shit. And it kind of felt like it was like a cascade. But you also saw people fighting against it consistent. And those people always tended to be from the right. Mm-hmm. And then now, I never thought in my life I would see the White House have rainbow lights on it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I never, I, I never thought I would find myself agreeing with slippery slope people. But I got, I got it. My my old podcast, my our Twitter account got suspended. Because I said, okay, dude, sarcastically to a trans person on Twitter. Who was a trans woman? Yes. Okay. Jesus Christ. I say, I say dude. I say dude to cisgendered women. <laughs> I, right. I say dude all the time. Yeah. Dude, bro, yeah. you guys, like, I'm not, you people, like, what the fuck? Um, and, and here's what you run into is, like, you have people who are, are, are my age are like, hey, like I want to be progressive. I want things to evolve and shit. But also I don't understand some of the shit. And a lot of this shit don't make sense. So you got to explain it to me a little bit. Or we right. got to like have a discussion and be able to have like a back and forth. And you're like, don't ask questions. You're a bigot. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, guess what? Now I'm a bigot. Right? Right. If, and, and everything if, you say is automatically doesn't have any credibility. Right. It, it's the easiest way, like, it's the easiest way to dismiss a person without having to engage with their ideas. There are two things, in my opinion, that are the hardest things to ever recover from. And they're all, and they're both things that can be thrown at you with no evidence whatsoever. Being called a racist or a rapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, look, look, look what they did with Kavanaugh. There's almost right. zero evidence that that anything like that happened like right just, but just but, but when the chick when the chick uh, tara reed had a credible claim against biden had receipts to show it and her mom even called into larry king and said my daughter was assaulted by a fucking prominent senator mm-hmm. it got brushed under the rug right it's i think that we're going through a phase where people are starting to see this shit though it seems like it to me i don't know 
there's still some people that like are obviously uh falling victim to the psyop i guess right but yeah seems like they're like with the internet because everyone can have a voice and because you can just literally google shit like was 9-11 an inside job and find evidence that it might have been like you you couldn't do that before like up until the last 20 years (laughs) like best documentary on 9-11 ever 9-11 in new pearl harbor check it out okay well yeah because they say that pearl harbor was there was something weird about the, the fleet that got bombed there they moved them out and then they turned it around and brought them back or something. I don't know. There was yeah, some... and, and, and they ignored the warning that they were on their way also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they knew that they knew the Japanese were coming. They just. And, and originally they left because they knew that. Right. And then they, who was the president during that? I forget. Oh, geez. Yeah. It's, a, it's escaping me right now. No, right. no. It's, yeah. It's it's like 1913. Oh yeah. Might've been right. like Wilson. Yeah, might have been like Wilson or somebody. They who knows ships around so that it did get bombed. If I'm right, not... yeah, all that shit's a setup. It's like Gulf of Tonkin, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But here's here here's how, what I look at is like, all right, so you have all these people who are like, hey, we want to abort babies at up to the time of birth. Mm-hmm. Some people have even like, there's one crazy video of the dude from Virginia saying that they could deliver the baby and then have a conversation with the mother and keep the baby comfortable while they decide what to do with it where they're essentially saying like that kid could come out and then we'll kill it if mom doesn't want it like wild wild shit yeah and and those same people are like hey let's like my daughter is 17 she can't get a boob job but she could get her tits cut off right yeah, there's something very weird going on because that's why it seems like the Republicans are kind of making sense because it's like, yeah, I'm all for people doing whatever they want. If you're 20 and feel like you were born in the wrong gender and want to go change it, go for it, man. I don't think that anyone should tell oh, you. Oh, yeah, do you. I, I could give a shit. Right. I got well, enough trouble of my own. I, I ain't trying to take on your shit. Right. But Express when you're your shit however you need to. Right. <laughs> like, like I have family members that are teachers in elementary schools. And they have books on drag about drag queens in elementary schools. But here's the thing about drag. Like no one's no one's saying that you can't do drag. Go fucking do drag. That's cool. Whatever. But if I'm not mistaken, it's mostly straight men that get off by dressing up like a woman. Is that am I wrong about that? So I'll tell you, I've been I've been to some drag shows, actually, because there's actually a really famous place in Philly. Uh, uh, what is it? Bob and Barbara's. Who has like the like? Uh, it, it, I've been there a few times. It's it's a good time. It's fun, but also mm-hmm. it's adults there. You're at a bar, and it's mostly like gay or straight dudes who like dressing up like chick. Right. A lot of the guys it's are sexual gay. about that, though, right? But oh, I mean, for sure, there's like fake tits out and shit. Some of them you don't know if they're tits or not. Right. It's not a place I would want to take my kid, right? To say like, that I don't like school system should have books about that in the library. It's not the school's job. Like if you're if you're a, a parent and you want your kid to be exposed to that, I honestly feel like you should probably be allowed to do that, whatever. But when you're subjecting people's kids that their parents don't want them subjected to that, 
you can't just force that on people. Like, yeah. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. I think about it this way. When I like, I, I graduated high school in 2000. Right. So like I went to school in the eighties and nineties and if you called a teacher miss, she wouldn't correct you. Right. I never knew if I had a lesbian teacher or right. a gay teacher. Why? Because that's not their fucking job. I'm not right. supposed to know about their personal life. They're not supposed to be feel strengthened by coming out to little fucking kids. That's right. weird. Yeah. And if you think that's not weird behavior, something is wrong with you, not me. I'm being right. honest about that. That that gets me called a bigot or a transphobe or whatever. But it's like, hey, my nephew's eight years old. Like, he shouldn't be hearing about gay I shit, exactly. for lack of a better way to say it. He shouldn't be hearing about anything sexual. Yeah. Why? Listen, one. Why are you talking to little boys about sex before their dicks could even get hard? Right. Yeah. Let's just. Let's just. They don't understand. Right. Yeah. They have no concept of what you're saying. So. The only way that I can uh, that I can like justify that is you is you're trying to indoctrinate these kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, essentially, what you're doing is you're trying to create gay and trans people, and you're trying to create racists and bigots, and you're trying to pit us all against each other, and you're mm-hmm. trying to break up families, and you're trying to sterilize kids, and what's going to happen in the future is we're going to get an overcorrection because eventually. The side effects of all these puberty blockers and these surgeries and that shit is going to catch up with us in a way like when we hit below replacement levels in five years because we're not making enough people to sustain our country. People are going to start questioning that shit. Yeah. When people start dying of blood clots and myocarditis and aneurysms and shit like that because of the COVID vaccine that they can't sue the company who gave them the vaccine. We're going to overcorrect for that. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's Probably. all going to, it's all going to steer real quickly in a real crazy direction. Like if you think it's nuts now, like I, I hate when lefties say, call people fascists because they, they honestly don't understand what don't the word what means. Fascism means. They don't understand yeah. that Nazi and, and they don't, socialist. It's left wing. <laughs> right. Right. They, they, <laughs> they try to act as if Hitler was a conservative. Um, <laughs> it was like no. He agreed with he fucking you. made the autobahn just so that people had jobs. That's <laughs> right. socialist as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he he made them build radios so they could listen to him talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But it, yeah. it's when you see those people talk that way, and you're like, you you realize like you're really those people. You're projecting that on us. And you refuse to engage with our ideas in any serious way. So at a certain point, you're going to reach a tipping point. People are going to get tired. People are going to get angry. People are going to get sick of being called names. They're going to be like, hey, I don't give a fuck what you do. But don't tell me I can't ask a question because it's weird. Right? Or, Or, hey... I don't want my kid to read a book in middle school about blowjob or, Hey, I think I don't want my kids hanging out with kids whose parents take them to drag shows. Mm-hmm. Cause what else are they going to let my kids see? Right. 
And then all you all you're doing, all they're doing right now is building barriers. It's all building barriers. It's all distractions. They're doing the same thing. They do it in culture. They do it in politics. They, I mean, think about what they did economically with COVID. You know what I mean? Like they gave people money to stay home. Yeah. And, and and they shut down tons of mom and pop shops. It was the greatest transfer of wealth in American history. Yeah, dude. They and printed more label of they, essential versus non-essential. And yeah, it was a lot of there was a lot of fuckery afoot there. <laughs> oh, tons. And and they printed more money during COVID than they had in all of the time they've been printing money combined. Seriously? Not a joke. Holy shit. I remember watching the stock market one day and the Fed dumped $4.2 trillion into the stock market for it to go up half a percentage point for 30 minutes. Jesus Christ. So what does that mean for us? That means the pound of bacon that you used to buy for $4.99 is now $7.99. Right. Right? My grocery store has these little like ready-made uh, boneless wings, right? Honey barbecue, they're fucking good. I love those things. Which right? one do you get? Smoking. Uh, I go to Giant. Okay, yeah, Giant's nice. You know, they're owned by a Switzerland company, though. That's why I, I go to Wise. They're, they're based in PA. <laughs> That's where you go to where? Wise. I don't know if they have them out there. I, Wise. No, I, yeah, you got to drive a ways to get out there. Okay. Like. The only time I've ever been to a Wise is on my way to the Poconos. Okay. So out here, we have like Giant, Acme, ShopRite. Walmart's honestly the cheapest, but yeah. Giant's close. So That's like big grocery, big grocery haul, you go to Walmart, but like you just got to grab a couple things. You get a Giant, you can get a fucking couple steaks and potatoes and a six pack and be on your way. So yeah. it, it's convenient. But yeah, it was so much point, better when they started selling alcohol, dude. Oh, Everyone yeah, it's awesome. Places. Yeah. It's there, there's a grocery store not far from us. Uh, I mean, I don't shop there because it's kind of bougie. But they built a sports bar inside the grocery store. Dude, that's great. That's the kind of shit that goes down in California. I used to work as a grocery sales manager in my last job. And I went to California and would like just go from grocery store to grocery store just to check it out to see what the market was like out there dude you can you can go into a grocery store in cali and get a glass of wine to drink while you shop <laughs> like dude, i mean that's all awesome. as fuck dude and it's so cool yeah. well what they figured out it, it, it's actually a genius marketing idea Yeah, because then you get drunk and buy more shit <laughs> not just that but in this particular area, right? It's like, think about this. You never see Starbucks in the hood. Why? Right? Because they know who their market is. So they're like well aware that, you know, like you have to be in a certain spot to get people to pay five bucks for a small coffee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this place, it, it's all like, you know, rich corporate dudes. It's like the bougie area of our county, like locale, I guess. And so it's all like housewives and shit. So they put the sports bar in so the husband can sit at the sports bar, yeah. have some beers, and then the wife can go blow all his money. Right. On food and, and shit. He ain't gonna be worried, he ain't gonna be worried about how long she's taking because he's fucking yeah. tipping him back. He's not gonna that's be pretty genius. the whole time that she's shopping. It's right. better. But that 
But that guy doesn't care how much money she's spending yet. He will eventually if it keeps going the way it is because like I used to not care how much money I was spending on groceries. But then at one point it was $10 for a pound of bacon at my grocery store. And you're like, well, wait a second. <laughs> right. Those boneless wings that I love used to be $5. Now they're seven. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not even like a subtle increase. Right. It's not 50 cents or 25 cents. Yeah. It's like, nope, it's just going up. Yeah. So eventually. Oh, stopping. Sorry, my cat was being annoying. Oh, no, you're good. So eventually the danger we find ourselves in, if if we don't have more people who are willing to like question the narrative and like and and say that shit out loud and fight against this stuff, like what we're gonna find ourselves in is is a place where people are distracted so much they don't realize the harm that's being done elsewhere. So our dollar every day is gonna is worth less and less. Our dollar is also dependent on oil. The more countries who start using their own currency to share resources, the more at risk we are for total economic collapse. Mm -hmm. Every single time we've gone to war, it's been about resources and money. And we've always had the upper hand. If we get to a place where we're not in, if we're in the beta position, what do you think our leaders are going to do? Our so-called leaders. They're going to take extreme measures and then it's catastrophic for everyone everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think needs to be done? What do you think fixes this? How do you think, we get the money out of politics. How do you think we start figuring out the military industrial complex? How does the media gain retrust or gain trust again from the public? So I think the the only way out is through. So you have to kind of work within what you have. In terms of the media, I don't think the mainstream media has nearly as much pull as people think it, do, it does. Like, think about it. There are 320 million people in this country, 500,000 a night watch MSNBC. Is that really a significant group of our population? No. Right? It, it's like... Well, listen to podcasts. Right. So I, I think mainstream media is on its way out. I think the best thing that we can do or people like-minded people can do is start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, Create your own space to share your ideas, right? Whether you reach one person or a million, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is getting it out there, right? That's like you, you fight dark with light. So you, you put that out there and, and encourage civil discord. On a action level, aside from that, get engaged in politics locally. Right. Like you don't have to run for Congress, but you can run to be on like your city council or Mm -hmm. your school board. So, you know, what's going on in your community and you can meet people in your community and you can figure out who shares your values. And then you can build an actual community and you could actually help steer it 
in a positive direction. You can be a voice to fight against this. And, right. and the other thing, it, and, and the third thing is like, if you're not a person who thinks they could talk on YouTube or a podcast, or you're not really involved with getting, you know, or interested in getting politically engaged, put some money into these people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, find find a, a young creator who's trying to make it and join his Patreon. Donate to the fucking, you know, the nobody guy who doesn't have yard signs who's trying to win a school board seat. Like, put your money where your mouth is. Put some right. skin in the game. That's what really matters, man. Because what happens is so many people are disengaged that they just push a butt. So the odds are against us. Mm-hmm. Did you see the new Matrix movie? No. The newest one? so bad with movies, man. I I haven't seen so many of the most popular movies. So there's a scene in the Matrix movie where basically the the Matrix calls a swarm to attack the people like the Neo and his friends. And it's just NPCs jumping out of windows. Like they literally have this whole crazy scene where people are using themselves as bombs. And it's a perfect analogy for what we see in our political landscape today. So many people are vote blue no matter who. So many people push one button. Not enough people do their own research. What we've learned during COVID, which we should have known forever, is that the fucking experts don't know anything and they want us to think we're dumb. Mm-hmm. Pretty and much. They, want to dis- they want to discourage us from doing our own research and being knowledgeable. They're trying to disarm us. Not just physically with guns, but intellectually, financially, we're up against it. So you have to, you have to take the, like, you have to really push and you have to have resilience. But eventually, I think good always wins, you know, when, when you're on the side of like kids and freedom and, you know, liberty and happiness and peace inevitably no matter how bad it looks sometimes you're going to come out on top mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on uh cryptocurrency it's a weird one because i have a lot of experience with it like i know all about tor you know onion websites and tor browsers and shit so i bought some drugs and bitcoin off silk road back in the day and <laughs> okay. uh, and 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 my buddy my buddy actually passed away uh, years ago. He's the one who like got me into it. And when he died, dude, he had like 350 Bitcoin on a wallet. And I, his mom, and and, like, I've, I've tried to tell his mom, like, yo, we have to like dig through his stuff. She's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm like, literally he probably has like, a few hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah, like he could have like a million dollars in Bitcoin on his fucking wall. Just gotta find where I'm he wrote sure. that seed phrase down. Right. <laughs> right. I'm like, dude, I will I will search all of his files. Yeah. <laughs> but I think anything anything good, the government will always try to co-op. You know what I mean? So like I'm a believer in crypto, but I think stable coins are the best coins, right? Like you you, you don't Bitcoin's 
a good investment, like long term, until you know Satoshi Nakamoto fucking cashes out his first batch of coins that has that just crashed the whole thing. Out who he is? Yeah, it's like Adam Dunn. He's, uh, I think that's his name. He's I don't a programmer. Know, I haven't heard that. I've heard the guy who is the founder of Chainlink. There's is a, it, is it a British white guy? Is it a British white guy with glasses? Maybe I just got the name wrong. I don't know. No, his name's like Sergey uh, something. Oh, but, no, that's not the guy. Yeah, but he's on Lex Friedman's podcast, right? And uh, Lex is like, all right, I have to ask you, are you Satoshi? And he like, apparently, allegedly, I it's hard to hear, but apparently he taps in Morse code on the table yes and then he answers it no i'm not and if i was i wouldn't tell you <laughs> so it's like eh. i don't know who would you got other guy too i don't know yeah but you know there's there's good coins like ethereum um what's the other one monero like i think i've heard okay things about like litecoin where they're pretty they're pretty stable yeah yeah so that's good if you if you have a coin where you can like actually know you're getting your money's worth and you're not gonna you know lose half your fucking net worth overnight right uh then yeah but i think the blockchain itself is a very libertarian type of thing it's a very decentralized Oh, absolutely. No one person or one entity or one agency controls it. You know, it's very, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with it. And I think it's funny that the government and the media kind of mocks it. It kind of speaks to its power. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it, it falls into like the Trump thing, right? Like mm-hmm. they fuck with them. They fuck with him so much because he's against them. He's right. not one of them, which is all the more reason to support him. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean um it's the same thing with the the blockchain you the government's now trying to create a digital currency yeah do you how do, how do you think they're going to do with that like do you really trust the government they lost bro think about this you know how much money the government's lost at such weirdly convenient times mm-hmm. like on september 10th 2001 donald rumsfeld trillion the Pentagon couldn't account for. Uh You want to hear a crazy thing? A plane crashes right into the accounting department or some shit? No. Building 7 was where the accounting files were. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Mad people don't even know that fell down. No plane hit that building. No, and it's across the street. There's buildings in between. Between, yes. One and two. and And it collapsed on itself. Like this, right? Like and they say it's because of the fires from the debris from the. But then, why did no other other buildings fall right. down? You know, the the guy who owned the trade centers got nine got billion dollars in insurance money. Like right Come before on. it happened, uh, specifically right. against terrorist attacks or something. Right. So now they're saying that uh, an accounting error of like four point six billion dollars to Ukraine. Huh. And isn't that how much? Didn't that have something to do with FTX too? FTX, you remember FTX with SBF? Yeah. 
they just found i think it was six billion i think 6.2 or something like that was the accounting error error with ukraine aid well that's the exact same amount ftx just magically found yeah i'm not gonna say that that's what that is but like they're also very connected like gary gensler was f was sam bankman fried's professor at mit like right so it just it, it goes to show you that we're people like us are up against it right but so are the prophets of old so it's really kind of up to us to like no matter what happens like life's going to come at you but you only get one shot at it until you go to like wherever we go. So I always think it's important for people. Yeah. Like I, I think it's so important. Like I said, I feel like I've, I've lived a ton of lives, but it's only been like, I mean, I don't care if this sounds arrogant or not, but it's only been because I've been through so much shit. You know what I mean? Like I got my, my mother, wasn't in my life for most of my life and when she was she was a crazy person you know what i mean i was raised by my alcoholic grandma my my parents are my dad's an immigrant he moved to florida when i was like 13 so i figured a lot of shit out on my own man like it's a hard way to go Mm -hmm. i wouldn't change it ever but also when i got through that i was like hey i could do this like i started my own business after I got selling drugs, it was like, hey, I could do this. And then I got in trouble. I came out. I was like, hey, I could be a preacher. And then after that, I was like, I had a po- I had a pretty popular podcast for like three years, three and a half years, almost four around here where we were doing like live shit, the Phillies and Eagles games and stuff. Oh, that's cool. So, so I've done a lot of cool shit. I've done stand up, wrote a book. So it's like, I don't know what's next, but um, I'm definitely starting a new podcast in the near future. Um, right. I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll let you know. What, what, I do, uh, what but, is it? What is the what is the podcast going to be about? Is it going to be about libertarian shit, politics? Uh, no, I think it's going to be like uh, about kind of life. You know what I mean? Like, I want to talk to people from different places, just have conversations, ask questions. You know what I mean? Like, kind of just a. Uh, that's kind of what I'm doing, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, let's. It, it's cool to engage with people. I love shit. Like this. You know what I mean. It's one of the reasons I like doing podcasts so much is because, like, there's not many times where you would just talk to somebody for two hours, right? Like, but also, also, I didn't even realize that we were talking for two hours until I just looked and we yeah, dude, it's like already five right fifteen almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that's awesome. That's what that's what makes it so fun like we fucking met at a concert and shared yeah. a faith them and I, I told you to buy i i told you to buy malibu braveries <laughs> <laughs> dude and uh my, my it was so funny because my uncle after we left he was like we went to this concert and you got one phone number and it was a dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> that's hilarious yeah but that's great you need you need that shit in your life Mm-hmm. But it, honestly, I think the the best life advice that I like ever heard is pretty simple. You're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, and, I remember that was something that Gary V said. He said that I don't know if this is where you heard it. It's it's a pretty universal thing, but they they 
he was in an Uber or something and someone came up to the window and was like, Gary V and had their phone out. They're like three words that you want to tell the world right now. And he was like, you're going to die. That's exactly where I heard it. Yeah. Oh, really? video. Yeah. 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 It's the best thing I ever heard because it puts everything in the perspective. Mm-hmm. And since then, like I've lost people, dude. Like my life's been fucking crazy in that department. I, I, right before I went to jail, my best friend since I was like 16 died, came home. A girl that I was friends with since I was like six died in February. Then I had like my kid sister died. My baby mom died. Like it's, it's why. Yeah. And, and they're all younger than me. Right. So, so for me, right. Like you look, you can look at that one of two ways. If I hadn't been like kind of shaped the way I was and the way like I encourage people to kind of like look at the world, I could just be miserable. You know what I mean? I could just, you know, like what, like you have to find a, a way to turn that like dark thing into a light thing and let it drive you and also use it to add value to the relationships you have, which the more relationships you have within reason anyway, the better off you are because the more support you're going to have, the more people to pick you up when you fall down, the more people who, when they see you falling off are going to be like, Hey, what's going on with you? Not why are you doing that? You know, right? Yeah. all that shit ties together, man. And that, I think that makes a difference. And a small group of people can have a big impact. There's a lot of cool shit. I mean, they're a little wild up in New Hampshire, but if you ever want to look into some libertarian shit, look at what the free state project's doing up there. And yeah. they're like, I remember yeah. hearing you talk about this on one of the podcasts. Was Were you with, did you do a podcast with a guy from New Hampshire? Yes. Yeah. 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 Justin O'Donnell. yeah. 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 yeah and they do a lot of good shit up there. Yeah, and I and I didn't realize until I was listening to the one with that Mikey guy. Mikey's his name. Mike. Yeah. Or, uh, oh, Matt. Matt. Uh, that Pennsylvania actually has a lot of libertarian people in in office right now. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the numbers now because I'm I'm not involved anymore. But at one time, I was a youth vice chair, the state libertarian party. I ran for Congress in PA. Um, but there's there's a lot of libertarians. There's not a lot of people involved in the libertarian party, which also kind of makes sense if you think about it. Cause if you're really a libertarian, you're like, eh, kind of fuck that party shit. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I just yeah. want to do me. <laughs> yeah. but, Honestly, um, that might yeah. be the biggest thing holding the libertarian party back. Is that, I don't kind think of that's fuck- a- <laughs> you don't think so? No, I think, um, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it the best way I can. Libertarianism is so interesting when you really start to like research some of the stuff, right? Like if you read anatomy of the state or you get into Austrian economics or you read like the law by Basquiat, like economics in one lesson, there are these books that you read and you're like, wow, like these guys kind of make sense. And, and they lend itself to like people who can think critically and, you know, like, you're not going to be like a smooth brain motherfucker trying to read these books, but also you don't have to be a genius to figure it out. Most people are too lazy to do shit. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? They'd rather watch the mask sing or some bullshit. Especially so, they probably are in like a job that they hate and they just need escapism. I don't want to fuck. Right. Um, but the downside to that is libertarianism also opens itself up to a lot of nerds and nerds don't tend to get along with other nerds all the time. <laughs> so so what i've seen is that like there's a lot of just like kind of nonsense arguments about things that are like really inconsequential that that time could be better used like actually doing something you know yeah. I mean? mm-hmm. but i'm always i'm i'm always more a proponent of like small local shit than i am big shit you know what i mean like don't run for u.s congress run for you know city council what has so much more of an actual effect on your daily? Your immediate, right? Is the yeah, local? How much? How much does your congressman really affect you? Not really at all. Almost not. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you don't think you'll be running for office anytime soon? Uh, nah, I don't think so. I think I'm more like a kind of give advice guy, like. I'm, I ran a campaign for someone who ran for Congress last election cycle. So um, it's looking like I might do that again. So, you know, I get someone in the fucking Congress that will kind of open a new lane for me. And I think I know enough about how those things work to do a better job of like leading people in that direction than actually being in that position myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool, man. Well, dude, good luck with your your new podcast. You'll have to let me know when um, you start it up. I'd love to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, For sure, I'll have you come have you come on sometime. All right, word. That'd be cool. I've never, honestly, ever been a guest on someone else's podcast. I've done four. <laughs> Shit, I've never been a guest, so that'd be kind of cool. that'd be kind of cool. All right, all right. Yeah, I'll dude, make sure you're the first one. All right, word. Uh, thanks yeah. for coming on. Uh, Absolutely. To exchange and having this conversation with me. Uh, definitely want to stay in touch. Definitely want to do this again sometime. And how far are you from Lancaster? You're probably only like an hour, right? So Lancaster is one of my counties. I'm in. I'm like on the lower end of Bucks County, so mm-hmm. I'm like 15 minutes from Philly. So okay. I think like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. Because I live in Lancaster, but we should get together sometime, grab a beer or something. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We can meet in the middle. Yeah, man. All right, dude. Well, anything else you want to leave my audience with? Oh no, man. It's it's been fun. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm glad you had me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, likewise, man. I hope I, I hope I did. I hope I you know opened some ears. I hope so too, man. I think that people need to hear other perspectives, man. That's like one of the reasons I started this is because I wanted to hear other people's perspectives. You know, so yeah, man. Anyway, let's wrap up. Thank you so much for being on. Sounds good. And uh, I appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Later. Later.